Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Craig Childs will join us to discuss Atlas of a Lost World. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world-famous question a week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Science show. Well, how did the first people arrive in North America almost 20,000 years ago? Well, joining us to discuss this issue is Mr. Craig Childs. He is the noted author of several works, and his most recent release entitled Atlas of a Lost World Travels in Ice Age America. And Mr. Childs, we're very pleased to have you today on the Grox Science Show. Well, thanks for having me along. Certainly a fascinating book, chronicle your travels throughout America, looking at prehistory of Ice Age America. I'm curious how you became interested in this subject. In, in a thousand ways, like, like any of us become fascinated with, uh, with any kind of geologic long-term process you know, just by being on the landscape and seeing what's around you, seeing the time frames involved. I used to, um, I was uh, actually a, a base camp cook for, uh, for an excavation uh, in my early 20s uh, in southern Colorado. So it was a Pleistocene cave dig. And, um, and so I'd go up and help with the dig and meet the instructors. And I just digging down through series of ice ages and seeing the the changes the the animals that were present in between ice ages the ones that were there when when it cooled down you just you saw a different scale of time than i think than i think you usually pick up on and that that eventually led me in, into writing about this sort of stuff and and the ice age has been on my mind for a long long time how much do we really know about that period how's our classic picture becoming upended well, you know, it, it depends on how you look at it. I come from, uh, I, I've been writing more about pre-Columbian archaeology in the Southwest. And, you know, there you've got potsherds on the ground. You've got cliff dwellings and kivas, so, so architecture. And, and, uh, and so a lot of fine-grained detail. But when you're going back 10,000 years or more, um, then it becomes much more spotty. I... Uh, while I was working on this book, I had a, uh, a map of North America up on the wall, and I turned it sideways to kind of jostle my mind so it wouldn't look like North America as much. So, you know, I'm thinking of it as a as a new continent. And and I'm just, I think that uh, the way you look at the landscape affects how you how you see time moving, the way, you know, I mean, just just getting rid of the continent as, as a... Uh, as the continent we know and turning it into a, a thing that we don't know at all, that, that changes how we see these things. And that's how, you know, the Ice Age, if I'm answering your question, how the Ice Age came up for me is trying to see the world in a different way. And it was a very different world. Classic picture is something of this land bridge appearing and first nomadic tribes coming over from Asia, but that doesn't seem to be the case with some more recent evidence. Right, right. I think well, when you ask about what's being upended, I think it's always being upended because we're we're looking at it differently. We're we're uh, scientists are diving in more deeply. I think over over time, as I mean, it's it's a slow moving process, 
it wasn't that long ago. It was a decade. Even now, still the the idea of 13,000 years being the the start of people in North America. That's I, th- I think that was upended a long time ago. It was just something that that we we held on to for a while. But the 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 story, of course, is going to keep changing. The story, the the dates are going to keep getting older because you know we accept science accepts more dates as as we go along. More more data comes up. More I mean the the Gulf site in Buttermilk Creek, Texas. Uh, outside north of Austin uh, went from 15,500-year-old human occupation when I was writing this book to now it's a 20,000-year-old human occupation. So, you know, you you get all these little pockets, these little dates that are coming up. And, you know, when I said 10,000 years, archaeology starts to get a little trickier. That's what I found going from pre-Columbian to, uh, to Pleistocene archaeology is that it just got, it started getting really thin and that map I had up on my wall, I just had points all over it. And for a couple of years, I was just looking at it going, I don't know if I can actually write this book. I, I'm not sure what this story is, but it just took a while talking to archaeologists, going out to sites, kind of ground truthing it, going, going to the places where these, where these excavations happened, where artifacts have turned up. This all kind of assembled a story in my head. And your book really documents much of this. It's really kind of a travelogue in a way of going through these different sites. Did any of them stick out in your mind? Well, it depends on how you look at it. If it's in one way, it was the landscape that would surprise me. Um, you know, for instance, you know, you're down in Louisiana. I went to the Florida Panhandle for this, and uh, and I'm I'm a Southwest traveler. This my world is really over here in the in the dry landscapes, and and so I was. Looking at at sites by by uh, taking a kayak down the the Ikenfina and the Osceola uh, River uh, and the Wasissa, and you know this is this is not really the scientific end of it. It's more the just the oh my God, alligators in the water, uh, snakes hanging from trees. Oh, this is a really different landscape. What would it have been like, uh, say, fifteen thousand years ago for? somebody else to arrive in one of these landscapes for somebody you know either following a coastline or coming across the continental interior arriving at a you know riverine landscape on the florida panhandle which was then not a panhandle but uh you know land far out to sea i it it just it dizzies my mind to be writing this stuff to be experiencing it and i think oh these people must have been dizzied as well. I mean, this is uh, walking across an ice sheet, uh, traveling down to a, a coast that you have no idea what's ahead of you. I I really tried to get in the heads of people who were uh, who were experiencing this, if that makes sense. Do you think it's easier with places like Alaska, where the landscape is perhaps more similar to what it was like in that period, than if you're traveling around in some of these other locations? Yeah, I think. Uh, the being in in the landscapes that actually look like the original places that actually look Pleistocene, those are the kinds of things that that surprised me. Where um, you know I, I traveled down the Yukon River, uh, where it crosses the Arctic Circle, and just looked at that that place from a paleo perspective, and just just like okay, the only thing missing here really are uh, are the megafauna. I mean, you've got large bears, you've got moose, caribou, um, but all you have to do is is see the mammoth on the on the terrain or see the uh the bison and and so you can 
you get a, a sense of what it's like um, or what it would have been like because you're in, in a landscape that really hasn't changed uh, in 20,000 years. Is any discoveries that are going on through these archaeological findings changing our perspective of composition of the people that were here and explain anything new that we didn't know before? Well, it brings up, brings up some questions. Genetically, well, there really are only three individuals that, uh, you know, three human remains that they come from that period in, in North America. Um, and it's, well, and, you know, if, you, if you're looking from Siberia on over, you start getting some human remains from central Alaska 11,000 years ago. But trying to figure out who these people are is, I think, one of the tricky stories. Uh, you find artifacts but you don't necessarily find bones. And so figuring out where they came from, you know, the, the, the genetics, um, there are many different stories and they're changing constantly. Uh, but I, I also looked at the, the possible arrival of, of people from, from Europe, Paleolithic people from what is now Spain and Southern France. And, you know, uh, Talked to uh, talked to a few archaeologists, um, mostly in D.C. at the Smithsonian, about what does this mean? Uh, who are these people who appear to have showed up uh, 20,000 years ago, 17,000 years ago, around Chesapeake Bay, and left artifacts that are similar to those that were being used on the other side of the Atlantic, but then there's no genetic record that they're here. Um, so is this a group that landed and died off? How many groups would have landed and died off? Probably many. I think the, the story is of, of many, many failed arrivals, and that would make sense for uh, people coming out to the edge of the world from all directions. So I think the, what it tells us is that this is the foundation of Native America, and it came from different places at different times. It came in waves. Um, probably came in with with different languages, so it's not as monolithic as a beginning as uh, as I think we had seen in the past. What do you think uh, is frontiers right now? Where do you think people are looking to get better handle on the stories from that period? I think coastal archaeology is the spot um, because you've had a you know 300 to 400 foot sea level rise since the Pleistocene, so most of the action would have been on the coast. I mean, that's where most of the biotic resources are. That that would have been the easiest, uh, most logical place for humans to be, um, to be traveling by coast. And since all that is underwater, or most of it is underwater, I think, uh, you know, down the, down the west coast, to the, the tip of Baja, uh, the... Uh, uh, Chesapeake Bay area, the, um, uh, the Gulf of Mexico up up against Florida. I think these are places where where I mean already archaeologists, underwater archaeologists are working out there and following old river channels off the land and down underwater and finding sites down there. So that's I think that's going to really reshape the picture. I th I think what we're seeing now is is just a skim of of what was actually there in the ice age. So we're, we're wrestling with theories and ideas um, based on just a glimpse of what was actually happening. And, and the, the next big glimpse is going to be underwater. It's going to be what, what people were doing on those coasts. 
your book goes through a number of these discoveries, sites. What would you like people to take home regarding the picture of that period in, in North America? Well, patience, maybe, <laughs> because I, I don't think it's going to be fast. I think that uh, the first people in the Americas were probably so scattered that uh, most of the sites have disappeared and they will come up very slowly. Um, so I think, you know, there may be some extraordinary discovery, which which I would love to love to hear. I mean, there, there are bits and pieces of, of human evidence that are not accepted widely by archaeologists, but as you know, are accepted by a few that are going back 50,000 years or, or even farther. And, and I would, I would be saying, look toward that. I mean, there, as the story gets more complex, and as it slowly comes up decade, decade by decade, you're going to see some, some interesting avenues going, going much farther back. So, so just keep your eye out for that. Um, and more than anything, I, I think that it's what it is saying about what is going forward. I think it is, you know, what do we understand about climate and human adaptation and, and what do we learn about how humans enter a new place and, and change it and change themselves. So I think just as more and more come, comes up, as more archaeological finds are are both uncovered and and gone back to. I think that there's uh, this this story, of course, is going to get more complex and older. Well, we were just talking with Mr. Craig Childs. He's the author of the new book Atlas of a Lost World: Travels in Ice Age America. And Mr. Childs, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Thanks for having me. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.